Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, as, as you know, if you've been here during the last three weeks and then this morning, we've been kind of focusing our our Advent theme this year on Jesus Christ as the ultimate missionary. And we want to proclaim Christ that he came, he left heaven to come as a missionary to our world. And, and many times we, we think really easily about us going on mission trips to a place that needs something, and, and we, we go and provide the gospel, we go and provide food, we go and provide shelter, housing, different mission trips, go and provide medical stuff to an area. And we want to we proclaim this morning that Christ was the ultimate missionary coming to bring himself to this planet. And in light of that, and, and highlighting that, we, we've highlighted a different missionary each week in the, during the last three weeks that we have a connection with. And this morning, Hannah and Randy Riggs are with us, and they're with an organization called World Impact. And Randy's going to come up in just a second and tell us a little bit about his mission. But I wanted to introduce them to you. We basically, uh, Ryan and Jamie were in, involved in a, uh, like some church was helping different missionaries around the, the area or basically around the country maybe, uh, IMB stuff. And so uh, they met Randy and Hannah at, at that place and kind of connected hearts. And so uh, we have connected with him because of that. And so we want to uh, to kind of connect with them in, in a deeper way and introduce them to you this morning and what they're doing. And, and Randy's going to come uh, now and, and just say a few words about who they are and the ministry they're doing and kind of give us a, a glimpse of, of their of their stuff. So Randy, come on up and, and chat with us this morning. Thanks for coming, man. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Uh, it's really awesome to be here with you guys during Advent, as we uh, anticipate the coming of Christ and as we celebrate and participate in His incarnation, um, it's really great. It's my favorite time of the Christian year, so it's good to be here today. Rob began attending our basketball outreach um, in North St. Louis about a year ago. It was about this time last year that he began attending. Um, he wasn't the most flashy of players on or off the court. Um, in fact, he kind of blended in with the 30 to 50 faces I see every Thursday night that come in our doors. Um, for a while, I would greet him when he came in, give him the obligatory fist bump, and say, glad to have you here, and I didn't even know his name. Um, and so he just kind of blended in, and then after a while, we have a devotional at the halftime of, of that basketball program each, each week. And one week after that devotional, he just kind of hung around out front, out by our front desk, when everybody else returned to the court. And he started asking questions, questions that it was obvious that he had thought about. They weren't just, he wasn't trying to put on a show. He started asking questions, and we had some conversation. And towards the end of that, he said, man, I just really find myself wishing sometimes that somebody would invite me to church. And I'm like, wow, well, I guess we better do that then. So, um... He and I set up an appointment, and we started meeting weekly. Um, so that first week, he came to our house, and in our living room that day, I, I learned, not only had I learned his name, I learned his story. And Rob shared um, a lot in common with most of the guys that we work with. Um, he had been a gang member, drug dealer. He has scars from two bullets. Uh, he's been shot two different times. Um, Many of the, same, of the common themes that I hear from a lot of the guys we work with. But he was already on his spiritual journey before he ever came to us, before I ever started talking to him. And he had given his life to Christ, but he just didn't really know what all that looked like. 
Um, so over the next few weeks, we started meeting and, um, and having Bible study together in, in our living room. And after a while, I was talking to him one day at the end of that time together, and I said, Rob, do you think there's anything we could be doing differently during our time with the guys that could maybe reach them better? Um, he sat there and thought for a moment, and he said, well, maybe if I spoke to them, that would help. Now, two weeks before this, I had asked him to close in prayer, and it was just the two of us, and he wasn't comfortable with doing that. He said, no, I don't think I'm ready for that. Now, fast forward two weeks, and he's saying he wants to speak to like 40 or 50 guys that are there on a Thursday night and share his testimony. So I'm like, really? Like, are you really willing to do that? Do you really think you're up to that? He said, well, my life's not my own. I want to do it. So two weeks later, he got up and he shared his testimony And really, more than shared his testimony, he just shared the gospel in a way that we were shocked. I mean, we're standing in in the back of the room um, listening to him. And and when we share each Thursday night with those guys, they listen. They're respectful. Um, Some of them ask questions. But to have one of their own, a guy who shared all their stories and and has gone through a lot of of what they have gone through, um, to have him standing up there and sharing the gospel with them, was just a completely different experience. And you could just see that they were intently listening to him. And so Rob has since then expressed to us that he feels like he may be being called to ministry. Um, He is hoping after the first of the year to start um, in the Urban Ministry Institute classes, which we have at our our center there. Um, And so we're really excited about that, and we ask for you to pray for Rob. Dwight is another person... um, He's currently, well, he has been recently involved in our basketball outreach as well, but he's been involved with World Impact for several years in programs of different types, um, youth programs, and he's in his early 20s now, and about every week he's at the center for basketball. And um, So about a month ago, he showed up to a Bible study that we have, and at the end of that Bible study, he asked for prayer for himself. And so we prayed, um, we prayed with him. That was on a Thursday. On Saturday, we were at home. Uh, I was upstairs at our house having my devotionals, and I was praying. And I had pr- been praying for Dwight during that time. While I was praying, my phone started buzzing, and I didn't want to answer it, so I just let it go. Uh, Dwight has always had a hard time of staying away from the wrong crowd. He lives there where it's so easy to access, and um, we knew that Dwight had gang relations and and drug activity going on. Um, So I let the phone go, but after I was done, I went to look to see who called. It was one of our missionaries they had called. So I called him back, and he told me that Dwight had just been shot across the street from their house. Um, Fortunately, Dwight lived. It didn't kill him. But those two experiences are just some of the ups and downs that we see on a regular basis. Um as missionaries with World Impact in North St. Louis. World Impact is a Christian missions organization, um, and we specifically target the urban poor in America's inner cities. So we're a national organization and have uh, locations in 10 different cities across the U.S. In St. Louis, the way, that we, um, the way that we evangelize to the urban poor happens in a few ways. We have children's programs that I mentioned, Bible clubs, we take kids to camp. 
Um, we have the Bible outreach that I've talked about, or the, the basketball outreach that I've talked about. Bible studies, the Urban Ministry Institute, which is seminary-level education for people in the inner city who may not be able to access that type of education elsewhere. Um, so we act that out in a lot of different ways. But everything we do is really geared around evangelizing, empowering, and evangelizing, equipping, and then empowering the urban poor. Evangelizing is pretty self-explanatory. Empowering, equipping, I keep getting those two confused. Evangelizing, equipping, we equip people by not only teaching them the gospel, but teaching them to teach others the gospel. And then we empower by partnering with those Christian leaders to plant churches in the urban context. And we aren't the church planners, we partner with them, and we allow them to be the leadership of the churches in their community. One of the most important things we believe that we do is all of our missionaries are incarnational. We live in the neighborhood that we serve. Um, And so we live right in the neighborhood of North St. Louis where our uh, ministry center is. Um, And most of our ministry doesn't happen between 9 and 5. Although we have programs between 9 and 5 and different activities between 9 and 5, most of the times when a mom needs diapers or um, our neighbor's house burns down or our elderly neighbor needs to get groceries somehow, those things don't happen between 9 and 5 and couldn't happen. We couldn't participate in that if we weren't being neighbors. Sometimes we refer to ourselves as professional neighbors. Um, just because we, we live in the neighborhood, and so a lot of what we do um, is able to happen because of that. So my wife is going to come um, and share just kind of how we got to North St. Louis with World Impact and kind of what that looks like for her, and then I'll be back. Hello. Um, so a lot of people will ask us, how did you know that you were called? What did that look like for you? Um, I can't say that it was a defining moment for us, Uh, When Randy and I were married in 07, we were attending a church uh, about 30 minutes away from our hometown at the time, and um, we really felt like we only gained from the church and the body what we pour into it. And so um, while I was working at the church as a secretary, and Randy was working in our hometown as a funeral director, anytime we had available, we poured into the church there were soccer programs to the community. We had a food pantry of kind that we offered the community. And as we kept pouring into the church and we offered um, these ministries to the community, God really started to um, impress on our hearts something that was missing. And that was that of the 800-plus congregation, only one couple lived in the community that our church was meeting in. And so although these outreaches are great and it shouldn't not keep going, who was there to follow up after? Um, And the location of our church was a rundown community, rather poor, um, not violent like North St. Louis, but for Indianapolis, it was rather violent. And so there were a lot of needs, and God started to stir on our hearts, well, what's keeping you from being another couple that can live there? And so I think it was that time that we started thinking, okay, how does this happen? And we started looking for, well, mainly for Randy, a job opportunity that could allow us to move there and really be there in the community. And in that job search, trying to find a job that was flexible so that we could be there for our neighbors when they needed us, which the more God guided us and directed us, we realized this isn't just moving, this is a ministry God's calling us to. And so for the next couple of years, 
Just in seeking godly counsel from our mentors and asking for prayer from our families, we heard about World Impact on a podcast. Um, and as we heard our president, Keith, speak, everything he was saying World Impact stands for and believes in were all the pieces that we felt God was um, impressing on our hearts and we were trying to find. And it was like this moment of excitement, like, ah, finally, like, this is it. This is what we'd been waiting for. This is what God's been building on our hearts. And so we got online, looked up the locations, and St. Louis was closest to where we were at the time. And so we set an appointment to come to North St. Louis and check out World Impact. And based on the stats alone that we found online, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what are we about to get into? And so we make the drive into St. Louis, and um, it was late at night, and there at the time was a biker bar across the street from our center, and it's hopping, and I'm like, okay, Lord, just talk to us while we're here. Let us know. And the next day, we toured the city, and there was just a calm peace in our heart. And what the Lord spoke to us about is that these people are hurting, and they need me. And so we said, okay, you know, Lord, this is it. So we went back home. Uh, asked for prayer, and almost a month later, we made the move, June of '09. Mona was born three weeks later, and, uh, and we want to take it back, and we feel so blessed. Um, so what my day looks like, sorry, let me gather myself. Uh, a lot of people also ask, what do you do exactly, because you have a daughter that you have to take care of. And so my ministry looks like staying at home with Mona, Um, World Impact is very um, supportive of the mother's role in the family. And so I stay home with Mona. She's my ministry as much as my neighbor is. And I pour into her. And um, I pour into my neighbors. 80% of the home in our area are female-headed. And they are it. It's mom and a lot of kids. And for them to have a neighbor who's willing to listen and help out is huge. So... um, we have a neighbor next door who has five children, one grandbaby, and her work schedule changes a lot. And so for her to know that she can count on me to watch her kids if she can't be home when they get home is a big deal to her. And, and I take joy that she trusts me to do that because trust is a big deal in our community too. And, um, and so slowly we've been building a relationship, and she's been sharing with me more on a personal level, which has been awesome. Um, there's another woman who I've gotten to know she and her husband or boyfriend, still not sure, um, actually live together with their two children, but they don't have a home. Um, they go to friends in the community and ask if they can live with them and trade for work on their home or whatever it may be. And so we've gotten to know them for the past year, and just this past fall she was um, arrested, and she's going to be spending time in prison for at least the next year. Um, at first, I thought, okay, you know, Lord, what's your purpose here? Because I'm getting to know her, and now you're taking her out of the environment that I can get to know her in. But quickly, the Lord revealed to me, this is an awesome opportunity. She's going to be isolated from distraction, and she's in a desperate place. And so we're in the process of getting, um, getting background checks so that we can go visit her and take her kids to visit her. And again, these are things that if we weren't living where we serve, I couldn't participate in. And, um, and I just count ourselves blessed that we can do that. And so, um, you know, some of the struggles is that I don't have the conveniences that I thought I would have growing up. You know, Randy and I were both um, on a career path, and we thought in time, you know, I'll be a stay-at-home mom, and he'll progress. And so 
the luxuries of heating up a car in the garage so my daughter and I can run errands. We don't have that luxury or our car would be gone. Um, I can't walk out the front door and just go for a leisure walk with my daughter. Um, and if I'm sick, we don't have family around for me to call and say, hey, I'm under the weather, help me out, please. Or if we want a date night, we don't have a lot of people to call on. But God has slowly been um, providing those things for us. And, um, and that's just continued confirmation that we're right where he needs us. And so um, that's how we found out that we were being called to what we're doing. And that's kind of what my ministry side of being a missionary looks like. So I think Granny has a few more things to say in closing. Rick had just asked me when we met a couple of weeks ago to share um, with you how you can be involved in our ministry, um, what that looks like. And so I honestly don't say this because it's just the right answer, um, but prayer is by far the biggest thing you can do for us, and I, and I mean that seriously. Um, Hannah touched on the the safety issues that we see, and, and it's it's crazy where we live. It's... <laughs> It's unbelievable. Um, you know, I've, I've witnessed a couple guys being shot this summer, and um, we've had a bullet come through a window of our house, and two days later, a man was shot behind our house, and I watched him die on the sidewalk, and we hear gunshots all the time. I mean, it's just constant, constant, constant. Nothing that we're used to. And so we ask for prayers for safety. Um, not just for us, but for our neighborhood, for our neighbors, that there would be peace in North St. Louis, and we believe the only way that's possible is through Jesus Christ. Um, so we ask for prayer for that. We also ask for prayer that we would be bold, um, unashamed, and unafraid to share the gospel where we are. Um, we cannot be effective in ministry if we live um, afraid. And so we just ask that you would pray for us for boldness. She mentioned some of the challenges for us. Um, it is difficult at times. We, we become so involved in the ministry that we we can become isolated from the body of Christ. And so um, figuring out what that looks like for us and how not to allow that to happen, um, how we take care of ourselves and our relationships and our marriage and, and all of that. Um, so we, we just ask for prayer for that, and, and as we kind of discover what that looks like. We also are in a transition with our ministry. Um, in November, I was asked to take over leadership of the ministry in St. Louis, and transitions are weird and, and really awkward sometimes. Um, and so pray for us and our staff and, and all of that um, as we go through transition. Um, as many missionaries do, Ryan and Jamie know all about this. Uh, we raise our own support as missionaries. And so uh, we are, we were blessed because when we started a year and a half ago, we had a little bit of a cushion and weren't required to have 100% up front. Um, so we're at around 85% right now, um, and we're right now praying and seeking 10 people or families who will support at $50 a month and 10 others who will support at $100 a month, and that will basically meet our needs. Um, and so we ask for your prayer on that, um, and if God leads you to support in that way, then we ask you to, to follow what he calls you to do. Um, we also have needs as a ministry. Um, we have some positions because we're a small staff that, that we really need help in, um, whether it's volunteer or people who feel like they're called to live their lives as missionaries. Um, we have administrative needs, um, communications needs, and, and that kind of covers everything in communications, print communication, web development, um, 
social media, a lot of graphic design, a lot of those things are covered by that. And so we need help in those areas. And also janitorial and maintenance. Um, we have an 86,000 square foot building and it's really hard to upkeep. So um, there are always opportunities for any of you to come as individuals and volunteer, whether that's a consistent thing or every once in a while. Um, it's only 25 minutes from, from here to where we live and serve. Um, so there's always opportunities for individuals, for couples, for groups. Um, if that's ever something you're interested, feel free to, to contact us. Um, there are, there's a photo album and also some brochures back on the table. So feel free to help yourselves to those. Thanks so much for having us here today. We appreciate it. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for, God, what you're doing, God, in our world. I thank you for what you're doing in, in our city of St. Louis. I thank you for my brother and sister here that, Father, are laying their lives aside, giving up the comforts of, of what they've known for a long time to pursue what you've called them to. And God, I pray your blessing over their family. I pray your blessing over, God, all that you're doing in them and through them. God, uh, I pray that you would be their safety, whatever that looks like, that you would draw near to them, that you'd protect their, their little girl. Um, God, that you would give them boldness uh, as ministers of the gospel in their context, uh, that you'd protect their marriage um, that you'd grow them up in you, that you'd show them what this transition looks like, that you'd show them what it looks like to uh, guard their marriage and pursue each other, uh, but yet using that as a means and an opportunity to love those that are around them. Um, God, I pray that you would show us ways that we can partner with them, uh, that you would uh, spur in our hearts uh, times when we could just go down there and be with them and um, when, when they're sick, to go and help. God, whatever that looks like, we pray that, that we might be um, uh, vessels that you would use, God, that you would use North Church as a means to partnering with them. Um, God, we thank you for hearing about their ministry, getting that opportunity today, and we pray your blessing over them in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for being here today. If you want to grab your Bible, you can turn to First John chapter 4. Um, I love that we ended with World Impact St. Louis for a couple reasons. Um, the, some of the other ministries we highlighted might have seemed like distant opportunities. Um, and here's one that in 25 minutes you can be at their door um, helping and serving. And it doesn't take like a North Church event to do that. All it takes is you and your spouse or your friend or yourself um, their information's back there. Uh, take that, and I pray that that would be just a resource uh, as we challenge you, as we challenge us to get into our community with the gospel. Um, here's an incredible way that we can partner with um, some incredible folks, and so I'm really glad that you guys were here this morning. The story that you heard uh, up on the screen um, last night, I just want to give you, I want to paint a picture for this morning. Last night, uh, 
I was reading that story to Mikhail. And uh, this rarely ever happens, but I was reading that story to her, and she literally fell asleep in my arms. And not only was I floored because that never happens, but that the weight of that moment for me last night was, was huge for, for a couple reasons, but, but one mainly was that I just envisioned how the, the truth of Christmas, how what, what we know from Scripture about what this season is about, how that can impact us on, a, on an incredible level. And here's what I mean. I, I envisioned this. I envisioned that coming to the truth of the story of Christmas as if I was being held by God the Father and He was telling me the story and I was so at ease with the truth of Christmas that I had no cares in the world. That here's my daughter as I'm reading her the truth of this baby being born and and what he would come to do and what he would come to be about and just how that story just put her to sleep. And that's my prayer today. Um, We're we're in this series called Advent uh, talking about the coming of Christ and this morning we're going to focus on love. Um, Anticipation. Have you been there? Uh, maybe it was a, a big game for those of you that are athletes. Uh, maybe it was like getting your license. Um, everyone else was anticipating that moment. Um, maybe it was uh, getting a new car. Maybe it was buying a house, having a baby. Um, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe there's a couple years ago. I don't know if some of you heard this or not, but there was some really big talk about Ikea coming to St. Louis. Um, and, uh, and so Danielle was like on the computer, like searching and like, uh, seriously, where's it going to go? And, like, maybe they're going to take over uh, Northwest Plaza. Um, something needs to, right? Um, but, uh, and so there was like this great anticipation. I think it's not happening. Um, we can anticipate it though, you know, maybe, maybe not. Um, some of you, your anticipation of a, a cool place called Chick-fil-A uh, coming into town and maybe even coming closer into town as I think there's another one coming. Um, we all have anticipation, and it all does something within us. I remember uh, vividly anticipating Christmas Day growing up. And it always seemed to go like this. We'd always go to bed so late for whatever insane reason. And then one of my sisters um, w- would always wake us up at some insane hour of the morning. And the other one would like lay in bed and, and like yell at us when we came to wake her up. But we always... we. we we would not go in, now, now she, she might have gone in without me, but she always said, like, I'm not going in, you got to wake up, we got to go in and see the tree and see the presents, and we'll go in together, and she probably, like, scoped it all out beforehand. Um, but we always had this rule, like, that once all three of us got up, we'd open our stockings, and there was just so much excitement behind it. In the course of history, there was this anticipation for generations and generations and generations, the anticipation of the Messiah. There's all this talk and all this language in the scriptures that one day the Messiah is going to come. Okay, but here's the deal. In the same way that we anticipate the second coming of Christ, 
And we wonder, okay, is, is it going to happen in our generation? Is it going to happen in our generation? You know, we're, we're not really sure. Um, so many generations anticipated the Messiah wondering and wondering and all this talk and will this happen and will this happen? Imagine the day when it happened. Imagine being present that day. The anticipation and finally it happened. You're familiar with the story of Luke chapter 2. Why, why would this anticipation be so great? Let me read to you. I'll get to John 4, and 1 John 4 in a second. Let me read to you from Luke 2. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I I want us to think about that word behold. A a word that denotes suddenness. A word that denotes um, immediacy. A word that denotes look. Don't miss this. Behold, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. A Savior. What's a Savior? Someone who will rescue you. Someone who will come and pull you out of whatever situation you were in. Or maybe not pull you out, but be near to you in that situation. That's what a Savior is. And, and here, this angel appears to the shepherd and, and proclaims, Behold, look. Look and see. This word behold was often used in in Hebrew narrative to liven up the story, to bring the sense of don't miss this. But what, why? 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 What's the urgency? What's the urgency to have Ikea come to St. Louis? Well, we could talk, and I'm sure that you could all come up with lots of reasons, especially the ladies. Um, My wife could, anyway. But what's, what's the urgency? Hey, let, me, let me show it to you. God communicates this urgency back in Genesis chapter 6. Here's one of the instances. And God saw the earth, and behold, there's that word again, it's all over the Bible, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth, and God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Okay, so imagine this moment of urgency. Behold. So, so God is saying here, okay, there's, there's something coming. You need to be paying attention to this. You need to look. You need to see this. But what is it? In this day, it was with Noah. It was with the flood. For us, God's saying, you need to pay attention to the weight of the darkness that's around us. Okay, even the Riggs has just communicated that to us. The, the, the present danger that they're around all the time, but it's really not any less than what we're around if we're honest about it. Okay, but here's the situation. God has every right to pour out His wrath on sin. Does He not? The Creator, the one who designed the world, has every right. A couple chapters earlier than Genesis 6, God said, Behold, creation is very good. 
He says, look, look and see as if he's celebrating with the Godhead. Look and see, creation is very good. And then not long later, it says that he regretted that he made man. And then he said, I'm going to destroy it all. His wrath is coming. But, but here is what I want, to get, want you to get this morning. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. That not only does His holiness demand that sin be paid for, not only does His holiness allow Him to destroy the wicked, we celebrate this morning that God's love has come. God's love has come in such a way that, that it's within our reach. But, but how? 1 John chapter 4. Let's see how God reveals His love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Okay, we're familiar with the story of Adam and Eve when God pursued them in their sin. Some of you need to know today that God's pursuing you. Some of you need to know today that that, that God is running hard after you in the very situation that you're in. I don't know what that is, but you need to hear that this morning. God is running after you. This word manifest, God was made manifest, He he was shown, He was seen, a very similar word to the word behold, to cause to be seen, that's that's the word, He was made manifest, but where? Think about this, you can send a gift to a distant relative, you can send a gift to a distant friend, and, and your love is seen, right? Hey, write you a note. Merry Christmas, miss you. Here's a package in the mail or whatever. But, and God could have done that. Could He not have? I mean, He could have done the deal however He wanted. But, but here's what He did. He said, I'm going to manifest my love to you. But I'm not just going to like send you gifts. I'm not just going to send you presents. I'm not just going to give you stuff. He says, He was made manifest among us. So it's as if you got in your car and you drove to your friend that lived hours away and said, Merry Christmas. We laugh, but that's what God's doing. That is what God is doing. And that's what He wants us to see even here and even now. I want to give you five five things. Five ways that He reveals His love to us. Number one, The king of heaven became a baby. I I cannot wrap my mind around this one. The king of heaven became a baby. He could have done it any way, any other way. This is the way he chose to do it, to put on flesh, to come in the humblest form possible. This reigning king became a needy baby who was dependent upon somebody else He left perfect heaven and he came to an earth that's filled with wickedness and filled with danger and filled with brokenness. 
the God who knew everything and had to learn everything. He laid it aside. Think of the irony of that. Why? Because he didn't want to just give us love. He didn't want to just give us peace. He didn't want to just give us hope. He didn't want to just give us joy. He wanted to give us himself. The second thing is that he offers freedom from pain and sin and death. The passage in 1 John, it says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us. He came in the form of a baby. It says, Beloved, excuse me, it says, It was made manifest among us that God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. What does it mean to live through him? Think about that, that concept of, of life. You know, we can conjure up a, a reality in our minds of what it means to live. And we all probably have different connotations and different concepts of what real life is all about. And, well, oh, I lived it up, you know, the other day. And what that means. We could talk forever about that. But God says, no. I want to show you what real life is. I want to show you what I can give you. I want to show you what I can be for you. Think about this. Did not God have every right to be up in heaven and just leave us in our situation? Did he not? Did he not have every right to maybe not just cast us off and destroy us, but just be indifferent to us and just be angry with us and be that God in heaven who a lot of people believe that if I just live a certain way, I got to you know, try to appease God's wrath and um, try to keep God happy with me? Could he not have been that God? Absolutely. But what did he do? He says, no, I'm not going to leave you in your situation. I'm going to come. I'm going to put my love within your reach. I'm going to come and rescue you and pursue you. There, there are a handful of times that uh, we put Mikhail to bed and it's late in the afternoon for her nap like three o'clock, and she wakes up about five o'clock or so. Um, I know it's a really late nap. And she wakes up just absolutely distraught to the point where she is beside herself, does not even know what's going on. She wakes up screaming and flailing. And so we go and we grab her and we try to comfort her and we'll bring her downstairs. And we'll, you know, Michael, it's okay. You know, and we're trying to soothe whatever the situation is, trying to wake her up, trying to bring her back and show her, hey, you're okay. And a lot of times it doesn't work very well. And there's been times she would go for a half an hour, just distraught and flailing. And some of you as parents, you've experienced this. And here's something we've tried before. We, we worked for half an hour to try to get her to this place where she responded and would calm down and it didn't work. So we're like, we'll just leave her on the floor. It sounds really bad. We'll just leave her on the floor. And we'd walk away and we'd, we'd go over in our kitchen and she would just kind of be rolling around, just kind of yelling, flailing like, it didn't help. What helped? We go over there and we grab her and we hold her and we wrap her up and we sing to her. And we read to her, and there's times when in her flailing, she'll hit us in the face, she'll kick us, she'll throw something at us. And what do we do? We pursue her. We show her, we love you, it's okay, it's okay, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what you're thinking, it's okay. 
That's the picture of what it means that God is pursuing us with his love. I came to this reality the other day, this week, that Christmas um, isn't this great delight for everyone. I'm blessed with an incredible family. I was married into an incredible family. So I spend Christmas morning with one family and Christmas evening with the next family, and it's 99% of the time the most joyful, fun experience. But I also recognize that some of us, some of you don't have that. Some of you, pain is a, is a reminder, I'm sorry, Christmas is a reminder of pain. It's a reminder of your deep loss. It's a reminder of your family scenario and the brokenness of it. But here's the thing. Christmas is more for you than it is for me. Christmas is more for the one who hates it because of what it does in your mind, because of memories that it brings up. It's more for you than it is for the one who loves it. Why? Because God wants you to see the depth of his love, not to remove you from your situation entirely, but to come near to you in your situation and show you he is enough. That's what... First John is saying. Number three, he rescues us from living to love ourselves. He says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Here's the truth of it. We don't love God. We don't. That's what Romans 3 tells us. That, that in our best day, we're a hater of God. And the story of Christmas shows us that he is the one who pursues us with his love and he rescues us from living a life that's all about how can I love myself? And he's saying to you today, don't forfeit it. Don't forfeit my love. Receive my love. Come near to my love. Number four, he rescues us from his wrath. He rescues us from his wrath. It says toward the end of verse 10, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Simply means this. Instead of God pouring his wrath out on us, his son absorbed it. Think about that. Think about how unbelievable that is. For God to be angry at sin, and rightly so, and he says, instead of putting you in front of it, I'm going to put my son in front of it. Why? Because I want you in my family. I want to adopt you into my family. And so I'm going to pour out my wrath upon the one I love the most. That's love. That's incredible love. That he rescues us from his wrath. Number five. He frees us from the fear. He frees us from fear to embrace his acceptance. Verse 18 says that perfect love casts out fear. I want you to picture the shepherds. This is the scene that if you've been in church 
around church for a long time. You've heard this scene a lot. But I want you to picture the shepherds. They're in the fields. It's a typical day. Probably they're bored. They've been doing this so long. And all of a sudden, this bright, shining light comes. And they begin to freak out. And this angel comes to them and says, Fear not! Can you imagine their response in that moment? How am I supposed to fear not? I've never experienced anything like this in all of my life. And you're telling me not to be afraid? That's just not working. But he says, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Picture that. And hear that word. Hear those words there. For behold. It's like, look. Don't miss this. See this. I bring you the gospel. I bring you good news. I bring you the gospel. The truth that, that this child that is going to be born is going to be the one who's going to set you free from living for yourself and set you free from sin. To live a life of abundance and a life of muchness. I bring you the gospel. Love has come to you. Do you see it? Do you see it? It's one thing to see it. And some of you this morning, you need to see it. But not only that, you need to embrace it. In John chapter 1, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Some of you, you celebrate that this morning. The Word became flesh, and not only did I see it, I beheld it. I grabbed a hold of it, and I clung tightly to it. Celebrate that this Christmas. Embrace the love of Christ this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, your love is so extravagant. And your pursuit of us is unfathomable. And Father, I pray this morning for those that are sitting here that or maybe you're in the toughest of situations and need to see that this season is most for them. God, we want to behold You. Not Your gifts, but You. We want to see Your love. And God, may our testimony be that we have beheld Your glory. And it's full of grace and truth. In Christ's name, amen.